Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 150. Happy 150th episode to you, Brandon. This is Jim Kemsky from Bullyboys.com. Join me, joining me as always, Brandon Lee Gowden of BleedingBeeNation.com. Brandon, the Eagles got a win. It's so exciting. <laughs> Very exciting, Jimmy. The Eagles <laughs> season is back on. Everything is fixed. There are no issues with this team. They're going to the Super Bowl. You heard it here first, folks. Um, but for real, though, obviously, before we get into the, the meat of this episode, I have to say, and that's a good pun that I accidentally just did, because Righteous Felon is brought to you, Jimmy, oh. and everyone listening, by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which you can get by going to RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN15. Also, want to mention our other sponsors really quick before you skip ahead, and that's voting. Go out and vote again. And also... Uh, you know, check out the SB Nation NFL show where you can hear myself and Rob Stats Guerrera and Michael Kist and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, not only talking Eagles, which we do on there, but also NFL topics that wide, you know, make fun of the Cowboys a little bit. So a lot of good stuff on there. Check it out. But I guess we have to talk about the Eagles now, Jimmy, because they did win a football game. They did. Unexpectedly. What were they? Were they nine point underdogs in that game? Uh, I saw seven. Well, they were outplayed, in my opinion. <laughs> Hot <laughs> I start. I didn't think that uh, they particularly played well. Uh, mm-hmm. They did get uh, a couple turnovers. One of them, you know, the the, the throw that Nick Mullins you just just throw it right to Alex Singleton. Alex Singleton returned for a touchdown. That was the biggest play in the game, obviously. Um, but you know, it was sort of the deciding points in, in the outcome of the game. Uh, you know, you take that away, and the Eagles probably don't win this game. But uh, you know, give them credit; they really, really needed a win just for a sigh of relief for certain folks in the organization, notably Carson Wentz, Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson. They really needed that win, and they go into Northern California and they pick up a win against uh, you know the defending NFC champions, and you know, albeit a very injured version of that team, but they do it nevertheless. So give them credit for coming out of there with a the win. They are outgained by like, like almost like 150 yards. They had uh, they're beaten pretty thoroughly in the uh, first down uh, department. A uh, few other different things they were beaten in, uh, but they come away with the win. So hats off to them. Got a bunch of plays from no like sort of no name guys like Singleton as we just mentioned. Travis Fulgham now is it Fulgham? Is that how you pronounce that? I've seen yeah. I've heard people pronounce that different ways. Fulgham. To, to me, it's yeah, Fulgham. Okay. Uh, he has the big uh, touchdown catch uh, late in the game uh, on a great pass by Carson Wentz, who struggled a little bit, sort of up and down. We'll get to him in a minute. But what was your sort of um, takeaway from this game? Like, what did you learn about this team uh, from this game last Sunday? Yeah, before I get into that real quick, just want to mention that, like, I this is a very hard year for everyone. <laughs> you know, 2020 has not been good. Um, so, you know, I don't want to take away from the the joy of Eagles fans who are enjoying this win in that regard because they deserve that. Eagles fans deserve to be happy. Uh, it's been a terrible season. It's been a terrible year. So I'm not trying to take away from that at all. I was also happy for the players who I thought really deserved the win because they're really playing hard on Sunday night. Lots, very a lot true. Of, lot, like, it, a lot it, of good energy. It's a very resilient team. They've shown that for like three years now. Yes. Four um, years. And also, I think Doug Peterson, because I felt like he hasn't really been the biggest issue with this team. And I thought Sunday night showed that. Um, Not to say the coaching was perfect, and obviously the offense isn't in great shape, and there's still work to do. But I just don't really think he's been the biggest problem. And we've kind of talked about how we would feel like he might be the biggest scapegoat on this team if things continue to be poorly. And I still think that's possible, unfortunately. Um, So with all that said, 
Uh, I am very much fine, Jimmy, here, being the Debbie Downer and being the villain. And if you want to hashtag, tweet, if you want to tweet at me and be like, hashtag BLG sucks, or you want to rip me, whatever, I'll be your punching bag. But like, I just, I'm being honest. Like, this is just how I feel. I'm not trying to be Mr. Negativity for the sake of it. And because that's not what we do here at BGN Radio. It's not like we come up with like contrived takes just to like argue and stuff. But this is genuinely how I feel. I didn't really get anything from that game. I didn't get much from that game. I would say it's a step in the right direction. You know, it's better than losing, obviously. Yeah, they got to win. Some things. You got to win. Carson Wentz made that really nice throw. I still didn't think he had a good game. I don't really think the mobility, you know, like him running around as much is really going to, you know, make up for him not being able to make these throws that he continues to miss. Like the, the accuracy is still very poor. Um, I think people are kind of almost overrating his performance a little bit. Like, just because he was so bad before, it's like, it was his best game. Yeah, it was, but there was that was also, like, no bar to clear on that. Uh, so I think there's still a lot of issues here. And you mentioned those no-name guys making plays. I mean, you're not going to be able to count on that every week. <laughs> those those players, like, are no-name guys for a reason. I mean, maybe they step up, maybe have a bigger role. Maybe Carson Wentz can build on what he just did. But some of it, to me, was kind of just, like, uh, a regression, a positive regression. You know, it was like Carson Wentz, Playing better than he uh, is, or you know, playing better than how awful he had looked, and that was probably bound to happen at some point. And also oh, the turnovers. Yeah, sorry. Like they, uh, uh, go ahead. The last thing I'll say before I'm rambling here, but uh, the takeaways thing, like they were due for takeaways because they hadn't had any since week 17 last year. So some of that's you know uh, just positive regression there. But uh, you jump back in here because I, I yeah could just on, take on Wentz like. The difference between a, a win and a loss in the uh, standings is really the difference between sort of the narrative on him this week. Like, so what I mean by that is if the Niners go down and they complete that, I don't want to call it a Hail Mary, but they, they complete that, you know, that final throw into the end zone for a touchdown and they win the game. Nobody's talking about Wentz's quote unquote, like gutsy performance. Like they're saying he was bad again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the difference between the win and, the, and this game's no different in that scenario than it was. Uh, on Sunday, and yeah, I think people are talking about you know how bad he was and whatever. I didn't think he was bad. I thought he was up and down, like I said before. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's it. And you mentioned you know him running. He had like sixty something rushing yards against the Bengals week three, and he was throwing his body around in that game. He's throwing his body around in this game. You know, even a little bit more. What thirty something rushing yards and a touchdown. Um, so I think that his. You know his ability, ability, and his and his willingness to run offsets some of the struggles that he's having to some degree, not to a big degree, but to some degree. Uh, but it's not sustainable over a long time because, I mean, we've seen him get hurt repeatedly. So, like at some point, these help these hits are gonna are gonna sort of uh, accumulate, and at some point, he's probably gonna. Uh, you know, come up with some kind of injury if he has to keep relying on his legs to make plays instead of his arm. So I understand, you know, why he's doing it. And it makes sense for a quarterback that's just trying to get back on track. And um, I get it, but I don't think it's sort of the, the recipe for their success this season. To me, I would call it a performance to build on. And I think Doug Peterson yes. also kind of needs that same terminology. Like if he kind of improves from here, then great. But like, <laughs> I, I just he still has a lot of of room to go like he is he's he needs to be so much better than he's been uh i don't think he's anywhere close to like being good again uh and to prove that point jimmy i want to play a little game with you here how many categories so i have seven i've i let me read the categories here completion percentage yards per attempt quarterback okay. rating yeah. passer rating all uh, right dr which is football outsiders dvoa football outsider stat and then pff grade how many of those categories <laughs> do you think Carson Wentz ranks higher than Dwayne Haskins, who was just benched oh. for Kyle Allen? How many? How many of those categories do you think Carson Wentz ranks higher? What were they? Uh, again? How many? How many out of the seven? It's completion percentage, yards per attempt, QBR, passer rating, DR, DVOA, and PFF grade. None. Carson Wentz. Carson ranks. Carson Wentz ranks higher in QBR. Okay. By three spots, he okay. ranks higher. In PFF grade by one spot. He's the 33rd graded quarterback. Dwayne Haskins is the 34th. Okay. So this isn't to say that Carson Wentz should be benched, but this is to say he's playing worse in a number of ways than a guy who was just benched. So like a lot of room to go. If, for Kyle Allen, no less. 
for Kyle Allen. We've <laughs> kind of been doing the Carson Wentz confidence meter all year. I think we have to make that a weekly thing, uh, especially the way he's playing. I'm still at like, or I guess concern meter, because that's how we've been doing it in the past. And I said I've been like an eight, a nine. I'm still like, I don't know, like a seven and a half. I am, I'm not feeling like world's better about him. Yeah, I'm at about a, a seven or eight still. I mean, he's not playing well. <laughs> he doesn't look like he doesn't look like the player the Eagles thought they had. Uh, not like his rookie year. He showed he. I mean, he showed his ability clearly. Didn't result in many wins that rookie season. Year two, MVP. Thereafter, it's kind of been sort of a downward track since then, with uh, an upshot at the end of the 2019 season. Obviously, when he carried. You know, a bunch of practice wide guys to the to the playoffs, but the first quarter of this season is about as bad as you could have possibly imagined for him. You know, coming out in what was supposed to be his first, you know, health, you know, going into a season completely healthy since that MVP season. In fairness to him, now I'm going, you know, I'm going to acknowledge here that the offensive line isn't ideal. They've had a new starting yep. lineup every week. Receivers stink again. <laughs> Receivers stink again. But that, to me, doesn't explain why he's this bad. Like, that, to me, would excuse if he was only, like, you know, top 12 or kind of, like, top 15, like, mediocre kind of numbers, pedestrian. Like, at that point, then, yeah. That's when you say, like, okay, he's not getting the right help. But being, the like, the worst in the league, that's not just because his situation is poor. Like, that's not how that works. And, again, it goes back to the accuracy thing to me where, like, he's getting good protection at times. And he's just not making the throws. Now, with that said, again, the Fulgham throw – was great. It was amazing because Fulham was not even open at all on that play when that ball was released. Like he's still fighting for a position to get open. He actually trusts a wide receiver, which is like unthinkable because we we have not seen Carson Wentz trust many receivers like that and making those trust throws. Um, so that was incredible to see. And that one play kind of makes you. I get why you could watch that one play, play and be like encouraged because you're like Carson Wentz that we know. That we're, we're hoping to see is still in there somewhere. Like he, he's not totally lost and gone. Like that guy is still there. Um, but obviously, it's about the consistency. Um, <clears throat> getting to, we just mentioned, you know, the supporting cast and, and Fulgham. But I also want to talk about Jordan Mailata because that seems like that's a yeah, huge topic. Sure. Out of this game, Jimmy. Yeah, what did you think of his first performance? NFL, he started his first game ever. Like, not even, yep. not even like that first NFL game. Literally, is the first football game he has ever started in his which life, is, which is crazy. And uh, I haven't watched other them. than a preseason game, but yeah, I haven't watched well, I them super closely yet. I did. I, I I was watching other things, and you know, I just kept a little bit of an eye on him. And uh, for to me, look, he looked. Uh, you know, he actually looked pretty good. And I know that a lot of other other people have like sort of published stuff about his game on Sunday. So it's encouraging that he had uh, a good first performance. It's also you know important to point out the context that. They're missing like a lot. They were missing like five different defensive ends. I don't remember who exactly he was going up against primarily uh, all night, but they're missing Nick Bosa. They're missing uh, D Ford. Uh, Ezekiel Ansa went out at some point during the game. They were missing uh, Solomon Thomas, Ronald Blair, uh, a few other guys. So like you 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 don't want like it's it's great to be encouraged by his initial first start. He's going to have to face Bud Dupree next week um, against the Steelers, which is going to be a huge test for him. Uh, we, you know, I mean, first of all, his first start ever is, is a huge test. So, like, let's not minimize that. Like, he it was, he, he far exceeded, uh, ex, you know, my expectations for how his first start might go. Uh, week two will be another huge test again, like I said, against Bud Dupree. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was better than – Anything that Jason Peters showed over the first three weeks, for sure. I think another interesting thing to consider with Mylotta is that, you know, he got the call so quickly. You know, like, Peters only went on IR unexpectedly on Saturday. Weird, by the way. Weird. And also, I don't know how much the 49ers then are preparing for that in their game plan all week. You know what I mean? It's not like they can't tweak things and try to go after him still. But, like, point being here that the Steelers are going to have all week now to, like, attack Jordan Mylotta. And they're also going to get film of him. Like, other teams haven't really had film of him to work right. with other than preseason tape in years past. But now, you know, other teams are going to be able to study like, okay, what's he good at? And uh, so, so that's what we're going to have to see. You know, it's one good game. It's a nice, you know, it's a very encouraging start, but you know, before we kind of crown him as the, like the definitive left tackle of the right. future, you know, kind of, kind of got to see a little bit more out of Jordan and I'm rooting for him, man. Like it's an awesome, who is He's a who really good be? dude. 
really, really good dude. Um, really great story. You know, this guy yes. literally just never plays football and he comes in. And also, it would be a huge deal for him to be the answer because, as we've talked about many a times on the show, we don't know what Andre Dillard is. We don't know if he's your left tackle of the future. And it's very possible he might not be. And if you could have Mylotta kind of come in and be bust insurance for Dillard, that would be huge for this team. And just given how this season might go and how things might get bad, like this is something that, you know, you can be excited about for the long term. Whether the team is actually, you know, winning or not, you can be excited about Jordan Mylotta as this future building block. So uh, I get it. You know, everyone should be excited by his first performance, but I would just caution, you know, like we have to see more. Um, I think you have to look at how the offensive line is playing overall and and not think about how, like, okay, Zach Ertz's numbers aren't really, you know, up there and, like, they have to keep him in. They might have to keep Miles Sanders a little bit more in. Um, so even if, like, the offensive line is, is playing well, you know, it's like it's not ideal still because other elements of the offense might be suffering. Um, anything else on my ladder of the offensive line? No, I think you covered it. Uh, I offensive guess line is, be... is, is, I mean, the offensive line still is obviously shaky. You lose three starters plus your replacement left tackle and Jason Peters. Like, I mean, when you look at just, just the state of the offensive line in general, it's crazy in that, you know, they're starting my left tackle, uh, Nate Herbig at left guard, Kelsey's still there at center, but then you have Matt Pryor at right guard. And then you have um, Jack Driscoll in at times during that game when Lane Johnson went out uh, at right tackle. So, like, the offensive line was, like, completely made over with the exception of Kelsey, of course, during parts of that game. And, uh, you know, again, like, we, we did note that they were sort of outplayed in that game, but credit them for finding a way to win despite that. Yeah, Jeff Stoutland, you know, really earning his paycheck. I think they're the way uh, he's managed to get good production out of this offensive line. They only rank like I think 12th or like meaning only like they they rank 12th in pass blocking by Pro Football Focus. They rank 20th in adjusted sack rate by Football Outsiders. That's pretty good considering like what sure. they had to work with. Yeah. Again, it's four different starting offensive line lineups and I wonder what it's going to be like moving forward because you know, if Mylotta continues to play well, I mean, don't you just want to keep him in there at left tackle and and then what do you do with Jason Peters? Maybe you put him in at guard somewhere. He'd be, he, I think he'd be better than Pryor. I think he would too. But then also I think Nate Herbig like looked good at right guard. That's so maybe true. you want to move him back to right guard and then put Peters in at left guard. But also I don't know where Samalo fits into this and how, when he's <laughs> going to be able to come back off of IR. And then Lane obviously is dealing with this ankle injury that feels to me like that's pretty concerning because you see a lot of these guys like play through injuries, but then that causes them to suffer a more severe injury elsewhere, you know, because their body's like overcompensating. Um, so that's obviously something to watch too. It's they're, they're getting, they're managing to get it done somehow, or at least they did against the 49ers with this group, which is really impressive. Um, same kind of thing at wide receiver though, too. I mean, it's, <laughs> they're down to what Travis Fulgham, Deontay Burnett, Greg Ward, and John Hightower against the 49ers. And they make it work. Now, moving forward, a lot of people are like, oh, you got to play Travis Fulgham over J.J. Arthur Whiteside. Where do you stand on that, Jimmy? Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, why not? What's J.J. shown at all in two years? Nothing. Nothing. Mm. He's got no catches this year. Not one. He's got two mm. targets. One of them was picked and one of them was dropped. Like, I'm done, I think. Like, I've seen enough mm. of him. I'm, I'm ready to move on from J.J. Put literally anyone in instead of him. The you? receiver situation, well, yeah, I mean, but also, though, like, I feel like we haven't seen Wentz give JJ, like, a trust throw like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like Fulgham was open on that play. And Well, he got and, some you know last year. Maybe not this year, but he, he this got, year, he got some saying. trust throws last year. Yeah, this year, right. Yeah, no, last year he got some trust throws. This year he... No, 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 I I'm agree. With you. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. He hasn't gotten many opportunities this year in terms of targets. Mm -hmm. He's played enough. I agree. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen enough. Like I've, I've seen enough. Like in in contesting catch situations, which is really supposed to be like his biggest strength. I, I just haven't seen it. I've seen it in practice. Haven't seen it in a game. It's interesting because I wonder what they're going to do with this situation. Because you have Alshon. Um, I don't. Do we think he'll be ready for this week? He, he was limited in practice again. I'm not sure that he's going to be ready yet. And even if he is, I don't think he's like coming in and playing. You know, like a full load of the snaps. You know, it's not like he's going to play like uh, his full workload. And then Deshaun is limited. 
uh, returned this week after missing all of last week's practice. I, I mean, what do you really even expect to get out of Deshaun? Like, how could you expect to get anything? Like, even if he comes back, it's like, okay, when's he just going to get hurt again? <laughs> like, yeah. you, you can't trust in, in him to be there. So, I don't even know like what they're doing at wide receiver right now. It's it's just like, I, I don't know. I, there's no good answer. It seems like guys are in and out of the lineup. You're you're hoping you can get those veterans back, but it seems like. You know, anecdotally, at least here, Carson plays better when he, he has these young guys in here that are almost like no-name guys, like a Travis Woolgum. So, have you seen Robbie Anderson's stats, by the way? I have. He's sixth in the league in receiving. <laughs> Twenty-eight catches, three seventy-seven, and a touchdown. Have you also seen Justin Jefferson's yeah, stats? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the weeks? guy that everyone's been bringing up lately because he's killing it. And obviously, the Eagles had a chance to take him in, instead of Rager. I don't think. Um, I don't think it's. I think it's a little too early <laughs> to start like getting on Rager for that. I think Rager's going to be a good player, but uh, I thought they should have taken Justin, Justin Jefferson at that spot. I don't remember. Did if, did you feel the same way? Yeah, he, that was my okay. pick yeah. in the final mock that we did. And it's not. I want to clear this up because I think a lot of people when I like bring up Justin Jefferson, they're like <laughs> Rager's good too. Well, it's like first of all, maybe like maybe. I mean, I, I'm not down on Jalen Rager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even if he's good. I mean, Justin Jefferson is looking like a superstar yes. right now. I mean, I, I know it's a small sample size, but he's looking like so. It's a small sample size, but it's also his first four games ever. It, it, and he's only twenty-one. Like he's actually younger than Rager, um, which is crazy. He only turned twenty-one in like June or something, May. Like he's crazy young, and that's part of the reason why I wanted the Eagles to get him because I thought you know he, he has a lot of upside. And, you know, take it for what it's worth, Jimmy, but he is literally the number one wide receiver graded by Pro Football Focus this year. Like, he is dominating out there. He's awesome. He like So, it's like, even if Jalen Rager turns out to be good, like, that's not the point. Like, it's not just about, like, the draft isn't just, like, get a good player, a fine player, you know, a nice player. Like, it's about get the best player possible. If Jalen... If, if Jalen Rager turns out into a good player, but Justin Jefferson is looking like a dominant, like Michael Thomas, like level star every week, well, then that's still a miss. Like you missed on that pick. <laughs> yes. It doesn't mean like Rager sucks or I hate Rager. It just means like you didn't make the best pick. And also going back to the process of the pick was my biggest issue with it. Like there were so many things about Justin Jefferson in terms of his aids, like I just mentioned, in his his elite athletic profile and his elite production in the best conference best college football conference in the country. Like there's so many signs pointing to in his favor. And it just seems like the Eagles didn't make the smartest bet they could have made. Like it, it just, everything about Jefferson's profile said, this is going to be a guy who's going to be good in the NFL, like pretty safe bet. And Rager might be good. I, again, I'm not down on him at all, but it's just like, it's pretty frustrating to see. And, and obviously it's not his fault that he got hurt. I would actually blame Carson Wentz for him getting hurt kind of getting them killed on those hospital balls there. Um, but it's it's disappointing. Like, we can all say it's disappointing to watch, you know, Rager not out there while, like, you have Jefferson lighting it up and all, all these other rookie receivers around the league lighting it up. Like, it just seems like oh, – oh, this stat, by the way. Did you see the stat um, from, from PFF that uh, they mentioned, like, the most re- receptions on passes 20-plus yards down the field this year? It is Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf tied for six. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if only if only uh, Earl Thomas were doing something this year too. Yeah. BG has long since outlived uh, that one. By the way, good for him. Oh yeah, that's that's over. Yeah, 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 that's long over. Um, by the way, Robbie Anderson's contract. Do do you know what he got? It's like two years, twenty million. Very good. Hey, look at BLG nailing it on the head. Two years, twenty million. Very reasonable uh, deal that he signed in Carolina. A couple other things here, Jimmy, <laughs> before we wrap up this first segment, going a little long. Uh, I've always said the Gennardi retrade was good, so credit <laughs> to me for, for really nailing that one. What did you think of his performance, real quick? Yeah, so I hadn't realized until after the game that he had five quarterback hits. And I was like, that can't be right. I knew he had the one sack. And then, you know, at the day after, I always write, um, you know, the snap counts. And it was like, wait, five hits and he only had 16 snaps? Like, wow. Like, then I went back and looked and uh, the the hits that he had weren't like super impactful. He had the one sack. He had another pressure that um, caused uh, Nick Mullins to throw a bad ball that was picked off by Rodney McLeod. So he certainly had a good game. Like, And it was, it was encouraging mm-hmm. to see him break out um, in that game. I thought the five hits, 
look better on the stat sheet than they actually did on the football field. Uh, but nevertheless, like they got, they finally got something out of that guy, and uh, it's encouraging to to you know kind of go forward with him. And I think actually, I think he's a nice duo that you can combine with Brandon Graham on that. He actually played on both sides, so he played RDE and LDE against the Niners. But I think he's like a good complement to Brandon Graham, who's more of like a sturdy, power. beefy power guy, whereas Avery's going to win with you know his, his speed and athleticism. So if you're like a right tackle and you're deficient trying to block you know one or the other, then the Eagles can kind of exploit you with one with you know either Bra- with either Graham or Avery. So I think that that could be a nice duo on that left side. So Harry Roseman is a genius, as I've always said all along. Uh, some concern in the secondary, Jimmy. You mentioned Rodney McLeod. He did not practice on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Like that's not a great sign. No. Uh, and and you, you and I, you and I don't think he's the best player, but they need him. Like they, 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 I, they, I thought they clearly game, need though, him. The 49ers. I think. Yeah. I think, I think he's actually had a pretty good year. He's had a better year than I was anticipating. But yeah, I think you know you and I both kind of agree that his that his season last year wasn't very good. But they, mm-hmm. I mean, whether whatever you think about him this year. They need him because they're, you know, they're they're already down Mills, who had to move to corner because Vontae Maddox got hurt, and then you have guys like uh, Marcus Epps and a rookie and Kayvon Wallace filling in. So they and you know McLeod is sort of the guy that you know gets everyone on the back end lined up right. So if he can't go, that's not good, obviously. And then Epps was limited too, so he's still he's still mm-hmm. like a rib injury, so that's not great. And then Rudy Ford uh, just went an IR, so that's not good. Right. And then Will Parks is already an IR, so that's not good. He's kind and of like a said, forgotten guy. Like I don't think anyone's asked Doug or anyone else about. Someone did, Jimmy. Who did? On uh, I think Les. Oh, okay, asked on got Monday. it. All right, got it. Yeah, you missed this because you're gallivanting around the world. And uh, <laughs> well, as I stayed out, yeah, North, he did. I stayed out in Northern California for a little while. Uh, for but months. it's all. It's, but, by the way, it's awesome out there. Like one of my favorite but, parts of the country out there. I don't doubt it. I've never been. I want to go. Um, but yeah, Parks hasn't been activated. His practice window from IR hasn't been activated yet. So the earliest he would return is week six. And who knows even if he'll be ready by then. But yeah, they need him. And that's a big concern. But we'll get more into this matchup, Jimmy. But first, I want to tell you. Just sit right there, Jimmy. Take a seat. And I'll, let me tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. You know, the, the only, the premier... Craft uh, jerky uh, product that you need in your life, you can go to righteousfelon.com. Again, you can check it out. They have, in addition to their, it's not just about the craft jerky. There's other stuff too. They have the meat tubes that I really like. They have the uh, artisan snacks, some non meat snacks. If you know you're a vegan, vegetarian, they do have good vegan options, by the way, um, specifically made for, for vegans. So check those out there. Uh, yeah, go check it out, rightsellin.com, and use discount code BGN15 at checkout for 15% off. It is a great way to get some snacks while you're watching the Eagles game. Uh, you can enjoy those. I think the Eagles actually probably got some recently. That's probably why they were able to beat the 49ers. They're probably, you know, chowing down on that. So, you know, make like your favorite football team and go to rightsellin.com, use discount code BGN15, and get some rightsellin craft jerky. Jimmy? Back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Back here on BGN Radio episode 150-150. Jimmy, the Eagles are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. The 3-0 and Steelers. Who... Did you know that the Steelers and Eagles combined to be a, a one football team once upon a time, Brandon? Did you, <laughs> you know that? Like the storyline? <laughs> I feel like I that did. comes out every time the Eagles play the Steelers. Preseason or regular season. Anyway, continue. The Phil Pitt. Steelers, Eagles. I wish, or the, uh, the Steagles, the as Steagles, some people yeah. called them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I wish there was like some old jerseys. I want to see some, like that was, you know, a combination of both. I don't think that actually exists, but maybe it does. Anyway, uh, yeah. So wh- how do the Eagles attack the Steelers defense, Jimmy? <sighs> you got me. <laughs> it's going to be a tough a matchup. I think. On that side of the ball, it's going to be a tough matchup. I mean, it starts at the offensive line. You know, we just mentioned before, you know, they went, they went into the Niners game, Mylotta. 
um, Herbig, Kelsey, Pryor, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson's, you know, he's going to be banged up. He's going to be playing hurt the rest of the year, probably. And this defensive line is awesome. Like, their edge rushers on the outside, TJ Watt is, TJ Watt had eight forced fumbles last year. I happen wow. to find that, you know, I was sort of watching this game, you know, preparing for these for this game. I think like 11 and a half sacks, something like that. Or maybe more. I don't remember exactly how many sacks. But he had a ton of sacks, eight forced fumbles. Bud Dupree had, uh, I think he actually had uh, 11 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. They led the league in, in turnovers uh, or takeaways last year. They led the league in sacks last year. So it's an obvious, and, and actually the guy on the in the middle too, Cameron Hayward, is in my opinion like one of the most underrated players in the NFL. So you have those three guys. They're going to be really hard to block when you have you know three or four or however however many offensive linemen starters out. It's like I don't think there's really much to overthink there. It's just a really really bad matchup for the Eagles. So they're going to have to get the run game going. They're going to have to you know, try to get the ball out of Wentz's hands quickly, and that's not really um, you know his best. It's not like. Like those game plans aren't where he's at his best, so that'll be difficult. But they kind of have to do it, and uh, with these receivers sort of unable to make big plays, you know, the one Fulgham catch last week aside, like it's going to be really hard to to score on this defense, in my opinion. They're really opportunistic. They get the ball out. They make interceptions, and that's a bad formula for um, you know the way that Carson Wentz has played this year with his, both his fumbling and his interceptions. Yeah, talking to Steelers writer Jeff Hartman from behind the Steel Curtain, uh, you know, the Steelers version of Bleeding Green Nation, he was saying, like, there are some concerns in the secondary. He feels like that the Steelers being a little bit aggressive with their pass rush and blitzing, you know, kind of leaves them vulnerable to where, you know, if you pick things up, there's going to be an open guy. You can yep. make that play. Um, and obviously, Carson has the ability to extend plays, so maybe you see some of that. But I guess in my mind, they're going to want to get the ball out quick because of how poorly or, you know, how big of a mismatch, at least on paper, their offensive line will be against this Steelers pass rush. And I think that means you see more of the undesirable offense that you just love to see. <laughs> right. Uh, where the Eagles have to... It kills me. Some, like, like watching the game live and then looking up, like, some of the stats, like, in terms of, okay, how many plays was that drive? And it's, like, 16 plays just to get a field goal. It's, like... <laughs> right. It's so demoralizing. 16 like, plays, oh 43 yards, and a field goal. Like, think about how much effort went into that. Like, 16 plays where your offensive linemen are, like, dropping back and, like, just, you know, like, being exhausted. And Carson Wentz is getting, like, hit. Or, you know, there's there's so much just effort that goes into just getting three points. While, like, earlier in the day, you know, I'm watching all the other games since the Eagles played in Sunday Night Football. And, other, and literally, it, like, the NFL has a, it's a historic pace for, like, points and passing yards and everything. And it's, like... It's like what they're not even playing the same sport. Yeah, like, it's a like whole different the Cowboys Browns game, for example. <laughs> they're just yes. going up. Each team is just going up and down the field, scoring at will. It just it just looks like a different sport altogether. So I think that's kind of the situation the Eagles are in. They're just going to have to hope for that. They're they can't turn the ball over. I mean, that's pretty simple, but they they just can't. Like they they need to be smart with it. I think they almost have to. That's play the game plan. They, they have to let their defense win. That's that's their game plan offensively, yeah. in my opinion. I hate saying that. Like it's such a, like a football guy like like nonsense way to compete but it's kind of true because this this defense is super opportunistic and they just kind of have to let their defense win the game Carson Wentz got to throw the ball away when he can don't do anything crazy and at the same time this isn't like Washington where like if you do settle for you know punting in in certain situations and you know at least like their offense might not be able to hurt you this Pittsburgh offense can though, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's a tough way to play. But it's like you said, you just can't turn the ball over, and this defense is awesome at, at turning at, at turning you over. Yeah, I think they have to pick their spots. Like you know, you can't just not ever call a deep shot or something. Or and there's you're gonna have to be aggressive at certain points. Like you can't be kicking field goals in the red zone. Like yeah. you're gonna have to get the points when you can get them. Maybe it's another game where. And I want to give Doug credit for this because I didn't mention it earlier. Like, go for two at one point yeah, and yeah, get yeah. those extra points while sure. you can because I don't know how many times you're going to be able to get them. And by the way, I talked about this with my uh, oddcast co-host, Rob Stats Guerrera, but that Doug Peterson going for two was totally an admission that he was wrong to punt, right? Like, that's exactly what that was. Why else would he do that <laughs> at the beginning of the game? That's like, hey, uh, I messed up. 
and I wasn't aggressive, and part of our identity should be being aggressive, and I'm going to be aggressive here. I like that he went for two there. Yeah. Especially, I mean, especially they got it, of course, but uh, whether they got it or not, I like that he came out and he. And I think it was he. I think that was one of the, one of the first questions he got asked in the post game press conference. I think it was Bo uh, yes. asked him something 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 to that effect, and uh, he kind of downplayed it. But uh, I think I think it was absolutely a message to his team that uh, you know he he trusts them to score. Uh, flipping it around, you know, how do the Eagles hold up against the Steelers' offense? I think. Uh, Big Ben's looking pretty good in terms of where a lot of people expected mm-hmm. him to be. He's okay. I think yeah. people, oh, I, I, yeah, he's not like elite, but yeah. he has like the tenth best passer rating in the NFL. Uh, I think people just expected him to kind of be like cooked, and yep. he's not. He's not cooked. Like he, he's, he's coming not back Eli. off of this. <laughs> yeah, he's not Eli. He's coming back off of this. He's thirty eight years old, but he's coming off of this uh, elbow injury, and I still think he looks good. And he has a lot of good weapons to spread the ball around with. It almost kind of reminds me of what the Eagles like to do offensively especially thinking back to that, you know, that 2017 season when things were ideal and they just had a lot of players who a lot of viable options that they can go to. It's it's Chase Claypool was looking good, another talented rookie receiver. Uh Juju Smith-Schuster, um Deontay Johnson. Um uh, who else? James, Eric Ebron, James, James Washington on, on the outside. James Washington. Too. Yeah. Like there's a lot of just good options that he can kind of spread the ball around to. So it's kind of interesting to me because I wonder what they're going to do with Darius Slay. Cuz this isn't a game where you would think like okay, you know, you're just putting Slay on one guy and you're having him follow and just shut that guy down. There's a lot of different options. I think here. they might in this one. Okay, with who? Juju. Okay. I think they follow, I think they haven't followed Juju. Although Juju plays a lot do, out of he plays a lot out of the slot though too, so maybe that's not the best matchup. They have a see their 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 receivers are unique in that they they're all very uh they have all different skill sets. Juju's sort of like the the tough um you know, yak guy, you know, great blocker, just sort of like blue collar guy. And then you have like Chase Claypool is huge. He's like 6'4", 233 pounds, I think. And he like lit it up at the combine. So he's like, he's he, like his production at Notre Dame wasn't great, but he has like all the physical attributes that you want. Some people thought he might be a tight end in the NFL, but he stayed at receiver with Pittsburgh. And uh, that looks like a good choice because he's made a lot of plays for them already. And then, um, Deontay Johnson, sort of the, the smaller guy, slot guy. And then um, wa- James Washington is sort of their outside big play threat where he's, you know, sort of your field stretcher. His combine shows that he's like a 4.5. There's Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, by the way, running her hair dryer, it sounds like. Hey, Kristen I Roach. Kristen Roach. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I it can't is even hear it. it. <laughs> okay, well, and then and then as you mentioned, yeah, Eric Ebron too, who's sort of a, a receiving tight end uh, in his own right. So it's a, it's a lot of different skills from that wide receiver group, um, and they're tough to defend. And then, then they have those big running backs in James Conner, who's like you know pushing two forty, and um, uh, Benny Snell, who I thought looked pretty good week one when he got most of the carries. When Connor was out uh, against the Giants, he's sort of a, a he's a smaller version, like he's 5'10", 5'11", something like that. But he's thick. He's like two twenty five, two thirty, something like that. And he runs hard. Eagles have generally done good, done well against um, sort of those bigger backs. But as Schwartz said in his press conference, there isn't like one thing that you can shut down on the Steelers, and then you can mm-hmm. expect to stop them. They're really just pretty good across the board, and uh, I agree with that sentiment. I think they're like one of the only teams, if not the only, they might not be the only team, but they're like one of the only teams that hasn't gotten to 30 this year points. So their offense isn't like a total juggernaut. I don't want to make it sound like, you know, the Eagles have no chance of defending it, but I just think there's so many ways they can attack you that they're going to have some kind of success. Like they're not going to just totally, uh, because like you just said, it's not like they're going to be, the Eagles can just take one thing away and then that's it. Um, I also wanted to throw Anthony McFarland's name into the rushing game there because between him, Connor and Snell, uh, they've been very efficient running the ball. It's a it's a five point three yes, rushing average with those guys, and uh, yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting uh, to see. I, I have a lot more confidence in the defense really than I do the offense right now. I mean that's that's not really saying much of anything, but I think the defense has really settled in since that Rams game. I think Schwartz is showing you why he's still a very good defensive coordinator. The defensive line has absolutely come alive. They've like what like thirteen sacks 
and 33 quarterback hits in these last two games. I mean, that's crazy. 33 quarterback hits. Like they lead I think the league the plan, in sacks. Did you know that? Uh, I I guess I didn't, but <laughs> um, that's that seems crazy. That just seems crazy. Just you know, given how it hasn't really translated into wins uh, just so far, other than you know the Washington one or the, um, the San Francisco one they're coming off of here. But but yeah, so. I think the plan, you know, it's, I'm not, you know, this isn't rocket science here, but I think the plan is to beat up on Big Ben, you know, it's kind of like really try to pummel him as much as you can and, and make him uncomfortable. Now, obviously he's not a guy who's going to be afraid of a hit. He's going to stand in there and, and take some shots down the field and, and try to make some throws. He's he's had some issues throwing the ball deep this year. His, his touch hasn't kind of, kind of been quite there. It's not that his arm has been cooked so much as like, he's kind of overthrowing guys. So like the timing isn't there. And I wonder if the buy, you know, how that impacts that. He, Big Ben had kind of complained, uh, well, first of all, get over it, uh, about how, like, you know, the buy, unexpected buy, like, might take him out of a rhythm or whatever. <laughs> right, shut up. Uh, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I do want to say the Steelers are very healthy, by the way. They only have two players on IR, and that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And one of them is starting right tackle Zach Banner. Um, another one is a guy you might have heard of before, Stefan Wisniewski. Uh, but he's only really a backup for them anyway because they got DeCastro back there starting in the lineup at uh, guard. So they're a lot healthier, and they're, they're coming off of this extra rest. So mm-hmm. that you could obviously say that's another factor in their favor. Uh, anything else on the Steelers matchup? Yeah, my favorite, like before I became uh, this serious reporter and journalist uh, of the highest uh, of the highest standing, um, <laughs> I'm kidding, uh, I was once an Eagles fan. And one of my favorite <gasps> Eagles fans of, or excuse me, Eagles games ever was the Eagles Steelers game. I forget what year it was, but 2008. They just hit Big Ben like repeatedly, like over and over and over again. Jim Johnson just kept sending all these blitzes, and they just destroyed him all game. It was actually a close game, but it was, I forget the score of that game. But it was very, very it was like low. Thirteen scoring. to ten. Yeah, and uh, I mean they just pummeled him for four quarters, knocked him out of the game. And uh, Byron Leftwich actually almost uh, led a comeback in that game. But uh, they sacked him like right around like 10 times or something like that, but hit him like way more. <laughs> like he just took an absolute beating that game. Uh, so, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed uh, So they, they have pummeled him uh, in the past. That's the only thing I have to yeah. add about this matchup. They, they even did that a decent amount in 2016, you know, when they were able to blow him out there. And yeah, Cox having yep. a big game against Big Ben there. And uh, Dawkins had an awesome strip sack in that game you're talking about. Do you remember that? Like he just flew, he dove, like, and he like just yeah. he batted it out of his hand. If I if I recall, like yeah, Big he, Ben was like kind of holding it, it low. Yeah, he knocked it like straight into the ground. It was almost like a volleyball spike. Like, okay, he, like volleyball spiked it out of his. Like I've never seen that before in my life. Like that's just you know obviously Dawkins made plays like that all the time, or at least you know throughout his career where it's like you've just never seen someone do that before. Yeah. Um. So I think of that. Um, but yeah, that's all I had on this matchup other than, you know, we mentioned it earlier, but like the PFF has, uh, Pittsburgh's pass rush is like the NFL's top graded unit. They're getting pressure on something like, I think Kist, uh, said it on, uh, SB Nation NFL show, it's something like 45% of their, there's, it's crazy. It's like a crazy high pressure rate. It's going to be a really tough matchup for this Eagles offensive line. I think some people are like saying this weird thing about the Steelers. It's like, well, they haven't beaten anyone. They only beat the 0-4 Giants, the 1-3 Broncos, and the 0-4 Texans. Like, I don't care. Like, first of all, the Eagles aren't good. So, like, I don't know what your point is there because they're only 1-2-1. and And second of all, like, the Steelers look good. Like, they, yeah, they have sustainable I mean, things like here. They, they're undefeated. <laughs> like, it's not like they lost other games. They can only play them on their fluky. schedule, you know? It's, it's not fluky. Like, <laughs> Roethlisberger is a franchise quarterback. The defense is always good, and Tomlin's one of the NFL's best head coaches. This isn't like you know the Bears being like three and zero and them kind of looking like fluky there. This is this is like a legitimate team. Yeah. All right. So Jimmy, you mentioned Kristen. Roach you know who else is earlier. a legitimate team? <laughs> Kristen Roach. The Roach team. team, which is comprised of Stephanie Roach and Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Nice. Uh, we'll keep this brief because I gotta I gotta run and uh, do my chat in twelve minutes. So uh, if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, home, whatever, call Kristen Roach. To call or text Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Again, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Brandon, back after this. Exaggerations and half truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara. 
and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 150. All right, Jimmy, let's you have a heart out here. So yeah, let's, let's get let's to it. it. Uh, I just want to say, first of all, my record so far against this year, against the spread, not great. Six and nine, nice. Jimmy, eight and seven. Uh, you went two and two last week. I went one and three. Our Eagles record so far, I am 03, or you're 03 and one. I am one and three. It's <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, Listen to our Eagles podcast where we totally have a pulse on the team. Uh, Rams are seven and a half point favorites at the football team who just benched Dwayne Haskins. Who do you have? I got the Rams. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll lay the seven and a half. I didn't I didn't take that game in my uh, week five picks post, but um, I will here. I'll take the Rams. I'll lay the seven and a half because, I mean, they'll do well enough protecting uh, Jared Goff with their foofy pre-snap motion crap and the way they get the ball out quickly and move the pocket and whatever, I think they'll be able to minimize the only good thing about that football team roster and uh, they'll be able to shut them down and, and do whatever they can uh, against them otherwise. The Rams look good. They've been looking pretty good so far this season and the football team, not so not much. So much. You know, <laughs> making the change to Kyle Allen. I think that you know, like we talked about how it kind of doesn't make sense just because like you want to see what you have in Dwayne Haskins, even if he's looking terrible and Kyle Allen's like not really going to be an answer. But like I get it from the standpoint only of like Washington thinks this move is helping them win the NFC East. And they, for some reason, they are like, well, we can win this crappy division. I don't agree that that should be the priority, but I understand. I guess that that's what they're thinking. Like they're, they're trying to win this bad division. So, yeah, I don't really know that we're going to go with that, but all right. Uh, Giants at Cowboys. Jason Garrett potential revenge game. Uh, the Cowboys are nine and a half point favorites at home here. The Giants um, are the lowest scoring team in the NFL. I think they haven't scored a touchdown since Week One, if I if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but they're just a disaster offensively, and um, it doesn't matter who the Cowboys play. They're going to score. They're going to put points on the board. It's just a matter of how many are they going to give up. And against this Giants team, like they that's the like that's a team that they can stop because they, the Giants just it's it's weird because the Giants like on paper have good skill position players like Darius Slayton and Gold whatever you think of Golden Tate like he's still like a, a decent slot and you have Sterling Shepard and you have um, uh, Ingram at the, 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 the tight end and then you have Saquon Barkley who of course got hurt but. You'd think they'd be better offensively than they are. Like they they made seemingly improvements to the offensive line. Uh, Daniel Jones is coming into you know another year. He's been terrible so far this year, by the way. So, but you'd think they'd be better. Like you'd think that like the real downside of that team would be their defense, which looked horrible coming into the season. They've been better than expected. The offense has been way worse than expected. But this is a team that that the Cowboys can handle uh, defensively. And like I said, they're going to score on anyone. So I will lay the nine and a half points and take the Cowboys. Daniel Jones has as many combined interceptions and fumbles this year as he does touchdown passes. Or four times as many, sorry. Four, yeah, uh, I was going to say, that doesn't sound that bad. Yeah, yeah it doesn't sound bad. <laughs> uh, four times as many. So eight total versus two touchdown passes. And both of those touchdown passes came in week one. He's been throwing a touchdown pass in the past few games. Uh, with that said, I'll take the Giants with the points. Not to win, just the points. Mm, just because... Okay. The only logic I'm going here with here is just that that Cowboys defense is so bad that maybe they can't even stop the Giants from being able to at least keep it kind of close. That's my survivor uh, pick this week, by the way, too. It's the Cowboys. 
And I always like to pick against you where I can because it's more fun that way, okay. even though it isn't working out for me. But I can't keep picking with you because <laughs> I'm not going to be able to, to beat you. So it's kind of it's a true. strategy here, too. Uh, Eagles at Steelers. The Steelers are seven and a half point favorites at Heinz Field where they will have 5,500 fans. Oh, they are going to have fans, huh? Okay. Yes. I didn't realize that. Uh, not that I think that matters at all. But um, yeah, so... Again, I'm like just I'm just not going to overthink it. I'm just going to go back to what I said before. Their their pass rush is just a really bad matchup for the Eagles' offensive line, and I think it's just going to come down to that. So I'm going to go Stellars, twenty six Eagles, seventeen. So I'll take so the I'm Steelers gonna, minus seven and a half. Okay, I'm going to take the Eagles with the points, even <laughs> though I don't think they're going to win. So and my prediction isn't even to match that, so that makes no sense. But it's kind of, again, I have to go opposite you to here to win. And also because there's a part of me that when I pick against the Eagles, it's like full, I'm, I've been mostly been wrong about them this year except the tie. And also um, every time, you know, they're counted out, they find a way to win somehow. And it's frustrating. And I've said before that I feel like the most frustrating result for the Eagles this year is to, you know, to, to get this kind of false positive. And I feel like that's what last week was building to. And I could almost see them winning again or at least keeping it close in this game and keeping people's hopes still alive. Like even if it's like a three-point loss, people will be like, well, you know, we only lost by by three here. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to take them with the points. But in actuality, I think it's like a 24 Steelers-Eagles 10 kind of game where the Eagles just struggle to score. And the Steelers don't absolutely like light the world on fire, but they win comfortably enough to cover the spread. Any final thoughts, Jimmy? Uh no, that's it. Just uh just, just just uh get out there and vote. But not vote. for the but not for the horrible guy. Vote. Definitely go do that. Go check out the SB Nation NFL show. Go subscribe to that. Leave a rating review. We could use your support for that because it's a new feed. We're trying to get some support on there. And obviously, uh if you leave reviews about Kist and I, that's gonna bother the Cowboys fans and other fans on that show. Uh, you know, the, the the Chiefs writers, the Cowboys writers, whatever. So go do that, go bother them. Go check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky by going to RighteousFelon.com and getting some meat snacks or non-meat snacks for yourself by using discount code BGN15. Go follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowden. Follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Follow BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. Follow BleedingGreenNation.com. Go check out PhillyVoice.com. And... I got to we'll follow they, a lot of things there. Barking out orders left and right. Do it all. I Listen, this podcast is free. You have to listen to what I say. That's the rules. Uh, Jimmy, we'll <laughs> talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.